This is the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. On today's program, we have some serious subjects to address. And it is my hope and anticipation that you will pay close attention uh, to the material we're going to present on today's edition of the Paul McGuire Report. There are a number of things happening in our nation and the world. And these things, and I don't want to go into specifics at the moment. I've dealt with specifics a lot on the program. But let's, for for the sake of discussion, just call them specifics, and maybe we'll touch on some of them. There are a number of things happening, and they're not staying in the same position. They're moving forward. And they're accelerating very fast. I think many of you know what I'm talking about. Now, uh, this acceleration of these things that I'm talking about represents a very dangerous environment for believers in Jesus Christ specifically, and then for all people. So it's a, it's a, two-edged threat. The primary threat is towards Christians, but the secondary threat is to to everybody in America and around the world. But I'm dealing with America today. What we can expect to happen in the next number of months, and when I say the next number of months, I'm not going to give a specific date or time, but simply to say that what I'm referring to is on the horizon. If you look carefully, you can see it. And I think many of you know what I mean by that, especially if you're familiar with the passage in the Bible uh, regarding the watchman on the wall and his responsibility before the Lord is to keep his eyes clearly focused on what potentially could be coming from a distance. Because what could be coming from a distance uh, can then, without anybody realizing it, can become an immediate and vitally dangerous threat to our survival. So, thinking of the watchman on the wall for a moment, his job was to to blow the trumpet of warning, the shofar, to the children of Israel and to the leaders of the children of Israel, so that they would rouse themselves, that they would prepare ahead of time, and prepare for what? Prepare for an attack against them. That was not yet clearly visible. And God held the watchman responsible to deliver the warning. And he said to the watchman that if you are faithful to blow the shofar, the trumpet of warning, and rouse my people, then you know you, you have done what I've required of you. But if you fall asleep, if you daydream, if you uh, say, oh, you know, this can't happen here or whatever, and you fail to warn my people of the danger ahead, 
I'm going to, the Lord said, I'm going to hold the blood of my people uh, upon your hands. I'm going to hold you, watchmen, responsible, because you didn't warn my people, and that was your job. But then he also said, regarding the, the leaders of the children of Israel and the children of Israel themselves, he said to them, if the watchman warns you that danger is coming and you f- fail to heed his warning, then when the blood is shed, I'm going to hold the leaders of Israel responsible for the blood that is, that is shed, and I'm going to hold the leadership of the children of Israel responsible for the blood that's shed. Okay, so you, you, you are hearing the background. Most of you know that I spend a great deal of time not only researching, studying uh, a wide, diverse spectrum of subjects like economics, etc., geopolitics, and then I also seek the Lord as best as I can. I seek the face of the Lord. I pray to God. I ask God to lead me. I ask God to guide me, and I ask God that I, that I would be a faithful watchman. So there are a number of separate categories of danger. Let's just throw out a couple of them. The Ukraine, China, Russia, the European Union, and the possibility of some kind of nuclear exchange. Or worse, that is a possibility, and that's acknowledged by not only our military, but the Russian military, the Chinese military. So that in and of itself represents a highly, highly dangerous threat that presents itself as an immediate threat to every person living in any of these areas that would be impacted and any person living in the United States of America. It would be devastating, and I don't want to go into this in detail, but I do in in my books like The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. It would be devastating to any urban population, uh, a large city, uh, a small city, wherever. It would be devastating. Or an electromagnetic pulse weapon, which I also deal with in my book, The Greatest Battle. That could be even potentially more devastating, because as many of you know, when an EMP, an electromagnetic pulse weapon, goes off in the upper atmosphere over a nation like the United States. So let's say, hypothetically, somebody fires a very small nuclear missile into the upper atmosphere somewhere let's say, in the middle of the United States of America. In a traditional nuclear missile, the detonation occurs when it hits the ground, and then you see that explosive mushroom cloud erupt, but it's generated from the impact of the nuclear missile hitting the ground. With an EMP pulse weapon going off, The nuclear detonation doesn't occur on the ground. It occurs way up in the atmosphere. 
So it's not connected physically to America, American soil, but but it is it impacts America because it's in the atmosphere uh, above America. It could be on the East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, wherever. And so what happens when an EMP goes off is it sends out an electromagnetic frequency pulse that is so powerful, it's a burst uh, of an electromagnetic pulse weapon. So that pulse, and, and the word pulse really isn't uh, an accurate word because pulse makes it seem very minor. The pulse is, is lightning fast, and in a sense it's kind of an electrical blast of EMF. But what it does, uh, depending upon the power of the EMP device, what it does is it will short-circuit all computers, all electronics, anything that works uh, with electricity. And that would include every computer system, uh, your car. Everybody's cars today are electrically operated and have very sophisticated computer systems built into every car. So if there was to be an EMP pulse, attack, your car wouldn't start, the radio wouldn't start, because the the EMP blast would short-circuit the electronics and the computer in your car. And you could go down the list, the massive water pumps that pump drinking water into your city or community, or giant cities like like Los Angeles or New York or, or wherever. The, the water, for the most part, is moved into the giant cities via a very sophisticated, computerized, and electrical pump system. So that is instantly fried. And I'm not an engineer, so I can't tell you how many stations are blown out by the EMP. So, also, your cell phone. Whether it's 5G, 3G, or whatever, it's it, 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 it's fried. The transmitters are fried. The receivers are fried because of the EMP pulse. Now we could go on uh, for an extended period of time talking about every minute um, technology that is absolutely necessary to sustain life for the individual and for our society. No TV, no communications, no satellite TV, no cable. All electrical communications are gone. Cars are immediately, they, they are immediately stop in the freeway. When the EMP blast goes off, all cars and trucks and whatever, trains, whatever, they, they stop. So imagine looking at Los Angeles from an aerial viewpoint or New York or whatever. You would see hundreds of thousands of cars and trucks just stuck, going nowhere. Because all of them, except for the very old cars, all of them would have immediately short-circuited because of the pulse that went off and nobody would able to turn their engine on. The car would be useless. 
So even if your car, let's say, was an older model, and it would have to be pretty old, uh, and it didn't have the electronics in it, it wouldn't do you any good because the cars in front of you, the cars behind you, and to the left and the right would all be stuck in the middle of the highway. The only thing you could do would be to uh, lock your car and, and leave it. And that's a, a very dicey situation. But now you've got hundreds of thousands of people who have been forced to abandon their cars uh, in the freeways and streets, etc. All air conditioning, all heating, supermarkets, everything. Lights are out. Alarm systems are worthless. So you, you can see what's happening. Now, this, we're talking about just one potential category of threat out of many that we're facing right now. And my purpose in telling you this is not to fear monger. It's to inform you. So you would have riots. Gangs would, would be going crazy. You, depending upon where you lived, you, you wouldn't be able to defend yourself properly. The police would not be able to come to protect you because, because they wouldn't be able to navigate through the, the traffic that's stalled. And when you talk to, to scientists and engineers, they say, depending upon the intensity of the EMP blast, you basically, basically have shut down uh, America as a civilization for a long period of time. And, and they say stuff like it could be years. You know, I, I don't know whether it's years or months or five years. Whatever it is, it's a massive deal. Because once the electrical grid is fried, it's all interlocking. And so if you fry one thing, it fries another thing, which fries another thing. And it's like, it's, all, it's like impossible to, to repair. I mean, it can be repaired, but it takes a long, long time. In the meantime, civilization, for all practical purposes, has broken down. And I, I, just, I, I go through the scientific details of this in my book, The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. So at that point, you are in imminent danger for your life, for your family, for your children, for yourself, etc., etc. All kinds of factors uh, become like flashing red lights, like the need for food and water. The likelihood of you even getting water uh, ends almost immediately. Because once those pumps shut down, that's it. So, you know, maybe you have water stored or whatever. I don't know. The point is, when you have millions of people with no water, you can, you can do the math on that. You can come to the conclusion on that. Millions of people without water. So, I could continue to go down the list. The list is long. None of it is exaggerated. I haven't even talked about 
that pandemic or pandemics or whatever, if if they were to be happening simultaneously, if our enemies, the enemies of the United States, were to attempt to exploit this situation, if it turned out that it was one of our enemies that was behind it, and it was part of an orchestrated plan. I mean, you can you can do the math. You can figure out where that goes. Okay, so the level of seriousness is not to be taken even remotely for granted. Most people do not understand the severity of the danger, nor do they understand just how fragile we are as individuals and a nation. Now, what do we do? That's See, I don't like to just stop terrifying everybody. I mean, that doesn't do you any good. It's nice that, that you know about it. But if, if I can't give you something to... Uh, survive, to overcome, then, you know, I haven't helped very much. And the whole purpose of our ministry is to equip people spiritually first, and then practically, because the two go hand in hand. You don't separate the two. That the, a major theological problem in the thinking of born-again evangelical Bible-believing Christians is this. I'll just say it in a nutshell. It's a flaw in the thinking of Christians, which the, the flaw in their thinking, it's a theological flaw. And as long as you hold on to the theological flaw, <clears throat> you place yourself, your family, your nation, etc., etc., in, in great danger. And this is how the flaw works. One of two things happens traditionally in the Christian culture and among Christians. Number one, they super-spiritualize an event or an upcoming event, and they just get involved in prayer and Bible study and worship, and all those things are good, and all those things are important, and probably I would say they're the most important. However, having said that they're important and the most important does not do away with the fact that God created us and the world that we live in with both with both a spiritual dimension, a spiritual world, but God also created us to live simultaneously in a in a physical world. So our job is to manage the physical reality and simultaneously manage the spiritual reality. If you ignore one and put your energy into just one and ignore the other one, you you will perish. So the Christian culture and Christians are flooded with Bible teaching and ministry teaching, and all kinds of things, all kinds of, let's call it, Christian input, biblical input, which uh, fills believers 
with a non-biblical perception of reality. And it usually is that they're way too spiritual and ignore the practical reality side of life, or they just focus in on the practical reality side of life and totally ignore the spiritual. Either one of those things is a fatal theological flaw, and it will end up in a train wreck. Of course, the trains won't work, but it would would end up in a train wreck. So, I haven't mentioned all the other potentials to you in terms of economics, economic system, health system, food delivery system, food or lack of food, food shortages and a very long list. And then just generally to underscore the reality of America in in a total societal meltdown. And so when you enter that dangerous environment of a, a total meltdown of our society, you are instantly placed into an environment in which you have to immediately learn how to survive. Now, theoretically, you should have learned how to survive before you entered the environment. So the burden that the Lord has put in my heart is one in which communicating through this ministry to as many people as possible and hopefully enlisting your help and support to spread this message to as many people as possible for the purpose of being proactive, preemptive, and preparing people about how to deal with things in terms of physical reality and physical realities that will encounter your life, and then how to deal and prepare uh, for things by upping your game in knowing the Lord intimately. Now, I don't mean by that being religious. I'm talking about really learning how to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, really learning how to be sensitive to the voice of the Lord versus the voice of the deceiver, really learning how to pray and uh, receive and release miracles for people. And, and whatever, however you handle that, you may think that's irrelevant. I'm not here to argue with you. In, in, in the time of trouble, you may be in a situation where there is no human possibility whatsoever of you saving yourself through traditional means and traditional resources. And it's at that moment the acid test will come, and you will be forced to live your faith. Because either your faith in God and Jesus Christ and the Bible works or it doesn't. And so you're you're in a place for the first time in your life where you don't have any props to, to keep you up. You're totally reliant 
on God's mercy, his grace, his provision, his protection, so on and so forth. All right, we'll be back in just a moment. You should get a copy of The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World. The books are on on discounts, and you can get them at paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report on Paul McGuire. Okay, so we are now in a place of communication, obviously. And I am burdened to communicate two messages. One on dealing with physical reality and the other on dealing with the spiritual reality. I want to address the spiritual reality first, not as a cop-out, but in an effort to do whatever I can to help up your game. Because there's a difference between a kind of religious relationship with Jesus Christ and a vibrant, authentic supernatural relationship with Jesus Christ. And the only way you're going to survive in the months ahead, or the years ahead, is to have upped your game, to have developed a real, authentic, biblical, but supernatural relationship with Jesus Christ. So that maybe you can't do this now, maybe many of you can. I would imagine many of you can, but there are people listening who can't. You need to be able to hear the voice of the Lord, not just take action, not just jump in a car and drive somewhere, not just go into a frenzy and do this and do that. But first and foremost, learn how to commit your way unto the Lord, because his promise to you is if you commit your way unto the Lord, He will lead you and guide you in physical reality. And you need that because the pressures that are in the distance but moving towards us quickly, those pressures are so enormous that if you were to try to handle it and manage it in your own human strength and ability and resources, you would crack. You would go insane. You say, well, you're exaggerating. No, I'm not exaggerating. People are going insane right now all across America. You just don't hear about it because they don't want you to know about it. So first and foremost is none of us, including myself, can make it, can overcome, can make the right decisions, can access the wisdom and the knowledge we need. None of us can do that without calling upon the Lord Jesus Christ and committing our way to him. And so what we we do is we listen, we wait until we hear this still, small voice in our inner man, our inner woman. We wait till we hear the still, small voice of the Lord. And he tells us to go this way or that way. He tells us to move or not to move. He tells us to buy this or not to buy that or whatever. There's all these complexities in life, but when we 
commit our way to the Lord, he will speak to us through his still, small voice. Now, here is an imperative that I want to communicate on today's edition of the Paul McGuire Report. And I'm going to say it, and it's true. And there may be some people listening, I don't know. There may be some people listening who are offended uh, by what I'm going to say. Well, I'm not going to apologize for communicating the truth. And this is what I want to say. The intensity and level of things moving towards us quickly is something that has never happened before in human history. What we have collectively experienced in the last two years plus is something that has never affected mankind collectively before on a global level in human history. And the technologies that we're dealing with and having to learn about um, are beyond anything that we could have conceptualized beforehand because all of these new technologies, these biotechnologies, were, were hidden from us. We didn't even know they existed. So now we have to up our game. We have to have an understanding of the technologies, and we have to learn how to manage our lives in light of those technologies if we're going to survive. But the reality is that in the distance, coming at us at an accelerated speed, and I don't have a timetable in terms of exact weeks or months or whatever, but it's closer than you think. But there's also a, a, a brief time of grace, unmerited favor, where God is allowing his people some time to prepare, both spiritually and physically. Now, here's the biblical truth I want to share with you, and it's imperative. Our response to what is coming has to be to engage the Lord in a level of spiritual warfare that maybe you've never uh, been in before, but you're going to have to begin now. Because of this reason. What is coming, we don't know the intensity or let's say the volume of what's coming. We don't know if what's coming will be at a low volume or a low intensity or a medium volume or a medium intensity, or we don't know if what's coming will be at a high level of volume or a high level of intensity. We don't know that. But we do know this. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, has not only saved our souls for all eternity, but if you read the Bible carefully, the Bible, which is God's Word, teaches us that we can appeal to God in any situation. As intercessors, as people who stand in the gap, we can appeal to God on the basis of grace, unmerited favor. And the Bible teaches us that we can ask God specifically for his divine intervention, that he would intervene and put the brakes on 
the intensity of what's coming, that he would restrain what's coming, that, that he would give us some kind of reprieve or some kind of break or some kind of supernatural deliverance to whatever degree uh, he would grant us. Our job is to pray to the Lord, call unto the Lord, and ask him to intervene in what's coming, to ask him to intervene in our lives and situation so that we would be protected, prepared, have guidance, provision, not just for ourselves, but pray for others also. If we do not have the divine intervention of the biblical God, Jesus Christ, if we do not have his divine intervention regarding what is coming towards us, we will be decimated. That's not an exaggeration. That's a reality. The only thing that we can do at this moment, first and foremost, that, that has the power to be the most effective, is to appeal to the Lord Jesus Christ for his divine intervention, his divine help, his divine deliverance. Now, most of you have probably read the account in the Bible where um, Abraham uh, is, is in prayer. He's asking God if God would spare Sodom and Gomorrah from judgment. So what we learn about judgment, and America is, to whatever degree, under the judgment of God. That's why we're in this mess to begin with. So to whatever degree, the Bible teaches us that one of the privileges we have as believers in Jesus Christ is we can come to Jesus Christ and, for lack of better words, in prayer, negotiate, appeal to him, to intervene and 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 keep us from being wiped out, spare us from being annihilated in judgment, and deliver us supernaturally. We have forgotten as Bible believing Christians in America largely how to appeal to God. We instead appeal to idols like our money, like like your job, like whatever government thing or whatever. That's not gonna that's not big enough, that's not strong enough, that's not powerful enough to save you. So we can do what Abraham did. And Abraham kept coming to God and giving God a number of people and said, God if you can find 50 righteous people in Sodom, will you spare it from judgment? And God said, yes. But then God looked, and he couldn't even find 50 righteous people in Sodom. So judgment was still on the table. And Abraham continues this, this intercessory prayer negotiation with God, and it finally gets down to, he says, God, if you can f find five, five righteous people, will you spare Sodom of judgment? And God says yes, but then God looks to see if he can find just five righteous people, 
and God cannot find five righteous people. God wanted to, but he couldn't. So God releases his mercy on Lot and Lot's family, for the most part. And he does spare to a degree in response to Abraham's prayer. Now, to connect this to our reality, there are far more than 50 righteous in America right now. I'm going to throw out a number. I have no idea what the actual amount of righteous people are in America right now that we could appeal to God on to spare us judgment so that he would intervene. So I'm going to throw out what I believe is a conservative number of righteous men and women. It might be 500,000. It might be a million. Personally, I think it's probably, and I hope it's far larger than that. But let's assume that it's just 500,000 or a million people that are righteous in the eyes of God. We could appeal to God on that basis. God, will you spare America this coming judgment if you can find 500,000 people? Start with a million people. You could even go lower because God will allow you to do that. And so let's say you find uh, 50,000 people. Now, that's way lower than I think it is. But let's say it gets down to there's just 50 righteous people in the eyes of God. Again, I think there's far more than that, but I'm not God. So on that basis, a remnant, a remnant, it's, it's not about getting everybody. It's about getting the remnant. The purpose of the Paul McGuire report is not to reach everybody. That's for other people to do. I don't water down the Paul McGuire report to tickle everybody's ears. The Paul McGuire report, my call is to reach the remnant, the 50 righteous people or whatever it is. Because God will suspend his judgment and wrath and make a way where there is no way and extend his hand in deliverance to that 50 righteous or 50,000 righteous or 500,000 righteous or million righteous or whatever it is. But the point is, you've got to cleanse your mind from the stupidity, I don't know what else to say, of non-biblical input that you've been receiving for years where people have told you these ridiculous things. There's no hope for America. America cannot be saved. You know, I won't tell you where they're talking out of. You know what I'm talking about. They they don't even know what they're talking about. God answers prayer. The whole point of grace is its unmerited, unearned favor. So we have destruction, horrific destruction coming in the distance. I can see it in the spirit, and I'm not going to go into details. If it is, not, if nobody puts the brakes on it, we're dead. We're gone. So the question is, 
how do we get God to put the brakes on it? Because he's the only one strong enough to deliver us, to help us and save us. We come to him into his throne room boldly through the throne of grace on merited favor. We, we ask God to cleanse our nation, to cleanse the church, to cleanse us of our sins by the blood of Jesus. And when we do that by faith, we are made righteous in Christ Jesus, even though technically we don't deserve it. All of a sudden, by faith, by faith, we are made righteous through the blood of Jesus. So we begin the process of intercessory prayer. We begin the process of an appeal to the Lord God Almighty now. It has to be done now while the danger is in the distance. There's going to come a point relatively soon where there's no turning back and the avalanche will come crashing down. We're not there yet. And the Lord is love. God is love and he loves his people and he loves you. And my intention is not to frighten anybody, but to wake people up. So we must, there's nobody else to do it. Look around. How many Christians do you know that are standing in the gap for America? How many Christians or pastors or churches do you know that are engaged in intercessory prayer? Very, very, very few. So we have to stand in the gap. There's nobody else to do it. But the 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 end game, how it turns out, is not based on purely numbers. It's based on God answering our prayer, but God is willing to answer our prayer based on a remnant, a small percentage of people who are righteous and crying out to God. And so if we begin this kind of intensity in prayer now, God will begin to deliver and intervene now in ways you, you, you have no idea how he can move and what he can be, begin doing now. Whatever giants we're facing, God is bigger than those giants. So we must come to God now while there's still an opportunity. This message has to spread like it's on fire. I can't do it alone. I must have your help to do what I've described, to teach people, to spread this message through the Internet, through books, through video. I need you to be an intercessor prayer prayer warrior for me, my family, and the ministry. I need you to give generously to this ministry because we're one of the few ministries communicating this, this message. And we're talking about the difference between life and death. I need you to partner with me in this. I can't do it alone. Together we can do it. Together we can turn it around. But we, I cannot tell you, you know, it has to begin today. We have had the wake-up calls. God may not send another wake-up call because he said, all the other ones he sent we didn't respond to. But he will respond to our prayers if we come to him through the blood of Jesus and crying out to Jesus to intercede for us. Join me. Partner with me. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. 